0: Then I was about 25-year-old. I was uh, busted and into jail, and it was there that I came to the Lord. History Makers with Matt Prater. Hi, and welcome to History Makers. I'm Matt Prater. Today we're chatting with John Mumford. He's a vineyard pastor from the UK. We're going to hear a bit of his story today. Uh, welcome along, John. Tell us a bit of your background. Where were you born and raised?
1: I grew up in London, England, and um, my both my parents were uh, wonderful followers of Jesus and so I grew up in that environment and was very grateful for the heritage but of course like any, anyone there came a point as a teenager where I had to make a decision for myself and I in England we have things called boarding schools where you actually go and live there and I was at a boarding school that, that the general atmosphere was very hostile to Christianity. So it was no good me saying, oh, I'm a Christian because mummy and daddy are. You know, you got killed for that. So I had to make a decision myself, and I did, probably age 14, 15, whatever, and never regretted it.
0: (laughs) Wonderful. Well, I have fond memories of England. I I lived there in the UK for six months Uh, and uh, uh. attended an Anglican church in Nottingham and met yes. Canon J. John, who is a well-known evangelist in the UK. Indeed. Yeah. He's a great friend of ours. Yes, yes. So uh, I've got very fond memories of that, and I can picture you at your boarding school as a as a young boy uh, coming to Christ. It's a wonderful uh, start to your uh, your uh, faith journey. Let's talk a bit about the next step for you. Like, What did you do after school? What did you study? Uh, what was your early career like?
1: My father was a doctor. And ever since, from the moment where I no longer wanted to be an engine driver or a fire officer, you know, all I wanted to do age six or seven was medicine and follow him. And I did that and uh, was all set to go to medis- medical school at the end of my secondary education. For a variety of circumstances, I switched and I decided I wanted to go into the business of what we call um, pastoral ministry that is leading and participating and serving in churches so i am with a rather bad science qualifications i managed to persuade a university in scotland to take me to study theology which i did and um, at the same time i joined the royal air force voluntary reserve and learned to fly an airplane at her majesty's expense and from there, I went to this, in Cambridge, which is a, what we would call theological college, a sort of vicar factory, and uh, went on from there. So it was a switch. I, having been set on medicine, I then switched, and again uh, never regretted it for a moment.
0: And I enjoyed hearing you speak at a conference recently, alongside your beautiful wife yeah. Eleanor. Uh, tell us how yeah. you met her. <laughs>
1: Well, we both met at the at the University of St Andrews, where we were students. Uh, I was sharing a, a a rather grubby, damp basement flat with two other friends from England, and sadly, one of one of them was his father suddenly dropped dead. In I think it was in Phil's second year. And so as a result of that, Phil inherited a large estate of um, land in Dorset, which is in the south of the country, and a title. So, of course, he instantly became rather eligible. And I assumed that Eleanor, for the first two years we knew, I assumed Eleanor was going to marry Phil. And we just became friends, as you would. Because I later discovered that, that was never on the cards and never a possibility. So we became friends and then we fell in love. We waited three or four years because we were working in opposite ends of the country, and then we started together working in what we call a parish, that is a Church of England Church in the West Country.
0: I know you had uh, two sons, one of which became a very well-known musician, the lead singer of the band Mumford & Sons, Marcus. Uh, Tell us us what it's like having a a world-famous musician as a son.
1: Well, uh, I mean, it's delightful. Uh, you know how, as a father yourself, you know how these things work. Where as your children grow up, you, you, you love them and are proud of them from day one. You want them to do what God's called them to do. I mean, that's, I, I don't think anybody was more surprised when it, he, he was at university studying Latin and Greek, both of which he loves and still reads. But for a variety of reasons, he, that didn't really work. So he decided he was going to go in this direction. And he's done it. He worked very hard. I'm glad to say that he has held on to the, the values and the convictions that we've all shared together. And if he were here now, he would say, this is what I think God's called me to do This is part of my life. He's married and has two wonderful children. So it works hard. It's a strange world. I don't know very much about it, uh, except what I hear from him. But because it's just a a, a strange world in the sense it's strange to me. It's totally outside my ken. But he loves it and he has many friends. Uh, There is a creative streak in him. So, you know, he's uh, at this point in his life, he's just he's just released uh, uh, his first solo album. And um, so he moves ahead. And his wife, Karen, is um, an actor. So she, they, they juggle their two careers, this, I think, very successfully.
0: Well, I am a massive fan. And uh, if people do want to search up Mumford & Sons' Amazing Grace on YouTube, it's one of the best live versions of Amazing Grace I've seen. It's absolutely brilliant. And, uh, and I'm also uh, excited to see uh, Marcus has released his solo album. Uh, and there's a song called Cannibal on there which is actually directed by Steven Spielberg. Uh, incredible. So great to see uh, your son uh, reaching the world with his music. Uh, he's certainly an inspiration. Now, let's move on to a bit more of your uh, vineyard uh, background. So I, uh, I was a part of a vineyard church for a number of years. I'm, uh, I heard you speak at a vineyard conference recently. Absolutely loved uh, hearing your uh, story. Uh, it all changed when you met this Crazy American named John Wimber many years ago. Tell us how your life changed uh, after being an Anglican vicar for many years and then John Wimber walks into your life.
1: Ellen and I worked for 10 years, in the, in, as you say, in the Church of England. My parents were part of that. My cousin was a senior bishop in the Church of England, and I loved it. Loved every minute of it, and indeed, some of our closest friends on the planet are still ministering in the Church of England. And so, in that sense, no rift. But to my great surprise, God started to speak to us about joining this crowd of a new church movement that was developing. It was originally started in California, but it was developing around the world, And as you were right to say, it's led by a man called John Wimber, who's a a wonderful leader, humble, not not at all the, the sort of stereotype that sometimes uh, people experience of church leaders, particularly in California. Yeah, he was humble, he was gracious, he had a wonderful, wonderful sense of humor, and he was particularly, God used him in particular ways in making Christianity and discipleship and following Jesus very acceptable, or, or accessible, that's the word I'm looking for, very accessible to people. And we just became friends, and then uh, we felt that God was beginning to speak to us about joining this particular group, and which is what we ended up doing. I, I don't think ever did we feel that it was better than anybody else, or more spiritual, or indeed less spiritual. <laughs> it was simply that... We felt for us, this was what God was requiring of us.
0: And I understand that uh, when you were uh, leading you know, your church many years ago, you, you also yeah. had a guy named Brian Dirksen um, in Indeed. your church leading worship. I've, I've interviewed Brian before, one of my favorite songwriters. I uh, think of yeah, songs like re- uh, uh, Come Now is the Time of, uh, to Worship, uh, Refiner's yeah. Fire, I think, you know, all these beautiful songs. Yes. What was it like having him as your worship leader?
1: Uh, it was it was a delight. At the time, we were leading a church near the centre of London, and at the same time, we were also leading the growing number of inner churches in the United Kingdom. And he was he'd done one job, and he was be- sort of between jobs. And we connected next, so, uh, and he ended up coming over for two years to help us develop worship and worship leaders in the UK. And he came over with his whole family, and part of his time was doing it in the church, and part of it was with the rest of the vineyard family and churches in the country. And again, the most delightful guy, very, very gifted, of course, very creative, but just uh, very humble, full of integrity. I mean, it was just a delight, honestly, a delight to work with he was in great demand because everybody around Europe wanted a piece of it.
0: Oh yes, yeah, certainly love his music, and many people would have many people would have sung his songs and many other great vineyard songs in their churches over the years. Uh, it's been something that uh, has really blessed the body of Christ. The, the incredible music, but the other focus for the vineyard has been church planting around the world. And you've had the privilege of uh, visiting many vineyard churches around the world. Here in Australia, there's many all around Australia. Um, Tell us about some of the other nations you've travelled to and uh, ministered in the vineyard churches.
1: Vineyard churches are popping up like mushrooms. We've always felt very, very strongly that, as I think I said earlier, we're not the best or the brightest, but we love the whole body of Christ. So we have lots of friends and and fellow leaders and believers who are in the catholic church or the baptist church or the pentecostal church or the salvation army so it's a lot it's in the context of all of that that we we do what we do we plant churches there are currently 16 i think 16 nations now around the world where they they have a vin- an established vineyard presence, an established vineyard l- l- family in the nation. So, recently we went to Brazil, for example, and we were invited. There are a lot of churches up in the north, uh, is of course the Amazon River. No, there's a, the river Xingu is, is a tributary of the Amazon, and all there are no roads there at the moment, so everything is done on the river. With boats and churches and houses are on stilts. We went and visited them. We had the best bath You know, it's extraordinary how, when you meet fellow believers, that there's a there's a real sense of family, though you don't know them at all, not met them before, and indeed, probably, in this case, we don't speak Portuguese, so we had to have a translator. But even so, we, we went up the river. I mean, the, the river traffic is is very hot. So you, you during the evenings, you the nights you sleep on hammocks, you know, or just keep your clothes on and sleep on hammocks. And then you eat as you go. In other words, you fish as you go. And the particular fish in that part of the world is the the piranha. Um, you know, with vicious, <laughs> vicious teeth. So we would have sort of sweet and sour piranha. For lunch, it was absolutely delicious, <laughs> but you want to keep well away from the teeth. They are like razor blades.
0: <laughs> Wonderful. Well, it's so been... we
1: ate piranhas rather than the other way around. You'll be glad to hear. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's so good to hear of uh, the vineyard churches popping up like mushrooms around the world. Uh, it is uh, inspirational. And one more quick story before we wrap up. Yeah. Uh, I, I heard you, your wife sharing that uh, Justin Welby spoke at a vineyard uh, gathering in the UK now many would know him as the archbishop of canterbury who preached at the the queen's funeral uh, 5.1 b- billion people heard the gospel because of his short sermon yes. at, in that funeral and uh, he gave some advice to the vineyard leaders uh, he said i think he said number 1 always be uh, sharing your faith, you know, everyone, every Vineyard member should be able to share their faith in about two minutes. And I think the That's second right. one was always be led by the Spirit. Was that the That's two things exactly that he said? Right.
1: Mm. He's a great friend, and um, he loves us, and we love him. And uh, it was a huge honour when he was literally moving down from where he lived in the north of England to you know, to become Archbishop of Canterbury. And literally moving down with the lorries And we were at a conference And we got them to stop off it, 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 People never, will never forget that was mm. a great blessing
0: Well it's been awesome to hear a bit of your story today John And if people want to find out more They can search up vineyard churches around the world They're uh, all around Australia, all around the world And uh, of course uh, they've got lots of great worship music Still pumping out And uh, they're uh, an inspirational movement and uh, we uh, are really blessed to uh, be able to connect with you, John. I reckon you're a history maker. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: If you'd like to hear this conversation again, listen online anytime at historymakersradio.com. You'll also find links to all of our social media channels and you can subscribe to our iTunes podcast. History Makers is a faith-based ministry and we want to thank everyone for their generous support. If you've got a suggestion of anyone we should interview, send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com. God bless. I'm Matt Prater, and my challenge to you now is to go and make history. Thanks for taking
1: time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.